0: It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everybody, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen M N. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at NorthStarMIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Monday, September 7th, 2020, as we look to recap UFC Fight Night Overeem versus Sakai, which took place on Saturday, September 5th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, good to be back with you guys here uh, on this Monday. I know it's Labor Day, so happy Labor Day to everybody uh, as, a, as a fellow working Joe, I can really appreciate Labor Day, but uh, you know, this this day is supposed to be taken off, but you know, North Star Sports, we don't we don't rest. We don't take any days off. We're we're really in the spirit of of labor. It's it's a labor of love is what we give to our listeners because you know, there's there's all these people with with today off and rightfully so and you know, if we don't put out a show, I mean, what are they going to listen to? You know what I mean? So we, we gotta we gotta stand stand tall here and put on a show. Um, not that it's a whole lot of um, not 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 that it's a, a big burden on me because I love doing it. But um, you know we take no days off here. We take no days off. Uh, we didn't take my birthday off. Uh, you know so we're we're really we're really a, a 365 operation here. You know what I mean? And now that we got a, a handful more of uh, of listeners. After the, uh, the very special Reagan Hooverman episode, which, you know, part two might be in the works. It might be in the work. You know, we've thrown around doing a Minnesota Twins, uh, maybe a playoff preview show. Uh, I might try to see if he wants to do an NFL regular season preview show, although, you know, we're kind of running out of time for that, so that might um, have to come pretty quickly. But, um, you know, that's, that's by far the, the number one episode in North Star Sports history, at least to this point. Um so, you know, shout out shout out to the hound dog. You know what I mean? Big big things are coming. Big big things are coming. Um I'm trying to think of housekeeping. Oh yeah, I'm the champ again. I'm the champ. That's probably the biggest news of of today's show. Biggest housekeeping to get to is I'm the champ again. Um so it it was tough. It was tough because um So first of all, Saturday was a crazy day. We had a big family get together. Um, I'm still feeling sore from uh, the the uh, the family wiffle ball game, uh, you know, going out there acting like Mark McGuire trying to pimp some home runs and you know show up my brother. So um, you know, still feeling a little sore on that. But uh, I get over to uh, old boy's house to to watch the uh, watch the fights, and um, yeah, what what a mess! What a mess this card was. It was a good card. It was a really good card, but. Um, no main card showdown because it was all it was the, the it was the card showdown. Everything was the main card. It was a seven fight card. Um, so that's absolutely ridiculous. I guess we'll we'll get into that after I get through some of this housekeeping here. But absolutely um, ridiculous. So um, as it pertains to the main card showdown, we made a uh, an adjustment. And decided to add the two fights from the prelims, the the two fights that were originally on the prelims, into the main card showdown. So, I mean, typically we've been averaging four to five fights, probably more so on the four side just because of some of these cancellations. But I don't think we've ever done a seven fight main card. I think the biggest one we did was the six fight main card, which was I think our first or second um, game that we did. Um, But yeah, I, I like those longer ones. Uh, I think they they're in my favor just because I have I have more experience picking fights, um, and that's that's kind of what happened. You know, uh, a couple of fights went my way. Uh, we we discovered this as we turned on ESPN Plus with about 30 seconds in the first fight between Hunter Azure and uh, Smith, um, and we we agreed that the winner of that one because we di- we didn't watch the fight and it was 10 seconds or 30 seconds before the fight was over, the winner of that round would be a 10-9. Um, because we didn't pick methods or anything um, and, and, and then made some adjustments so <coughs> excuse me uh, we 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 overcame and adapted and uh, you know for the fifth straight week fifth straight week in a row th- this belt has changed owners um, so it's it's really a tall task to try to get um, a, a title defense in um, but you know, I'm 4-2-2 two, two at this point, you know, so... Uh, I, I feel good about my performance. I also feel good about my picks. Um, it, again, it was kind of tough because there was only seven fights. Uh, but we got six of them correct, which... You know, I mean, six and one. I mean, that's a pretty good percentage. You know, going going six and one. Um, you combine that with our our Smith versus Rakic picks. And in the last two cards, uh, 14 and three on my picks. So... Absolutely killing it after a, a just a brutal cold streak. I mean, the the, the last four fight cards before the last two, uh, just fucking brutally cold, ice cold on my picks, and not in a good way. Uh, but yeah, we're we're back on track with our picks. Our percentage shot up uh, 1.5 points in the last two weeks because of how good we've been doing with our picks. Um, yeah, we got the picks, got the main card showdown. I think that's all the uh, the housekeeping. Um, we have to get to here, so uh, no better time to start the recap here of uh, UFC Fight Night Overeem and Sakai and obviously we'll start at the top of the card here, Uh, I just realized um, we we do have an additional talker at the end, but this is probably going to be a a shorter um, show just given there was only 7 fight cards or 7 fights on the card Um, but Alistair Overeem, he gets it done uh, early in the 5th round uh, via ground and pound uh, a real veteran performance. I mean, Alistair Overeem, um, like I was kind of saying, so he's gone through his phases. Um, might be an oversimplification just because, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, I've only been a fan of MMA since 2016, so it's not like I was watching Overeem in the early in the early days. But, you know, you had um, you know, the young 205-pound Overeem for like the first third of his career, for the middle third of his career, you had Uber Eam, uh, you know, on, on all the horse meat and, um, wink, wink, I mean, all, all natty, he was all, we'll put it that way, he was all natty in his Uber phase. And now for the final third, you know, the economical oveream. um, I forget who I heard that from, I didn't make that up, I, I obviously got that from somewhere, so I don't want people to think I'm, thinking I'm poaching that, I, I'll try to find out who that is and give him credit, um, but yeah, economical over him. So, um, you know, but he's just one of those mythical, myth, mythical guys like sea uh, level Kane, uh, salon quality Dustin. You know, this economical over him really since like 2016 when he when he lost uh, his chance at the at the title with, uh, excuse me, with uh, Stipe Miocic. I'm starting to talk like Stipe Miocic, losing my grasp of the English language. Um, but just a brilliant performance. He weathered the storm. I mean, his experience really showed. Um, probably lost the first three rounds, maybe. It's it, it's tough to say who won and who lost these rounds when you're not actively scoring. Um, I was just enjoying the fights. I, I, I wasn't, you know, scoring, but, you know, Sakai was winning the, the, the majority of the fight, and then in the fourth round, uh, once Alistair took it to the ground, uh, his ground-up pound was fucking brutal. Um, you know, there's there's times with ground and pro- ground and pound and, and and strikes where you go, that doesn't look that bad. Like obviously it's bad you're getting punched, but uh, that I don't know that doesn't seem super hard. And then you know you'll come to find out, oh, it actually was pretty hard. No need to decipher the the hardness of these punches because they were fucking brutal. Just bouncing Sakai's head off the ground. Uh, like the first or second elbow he threw on the ground uh, sliced up Sakai, and I don't know. If I, if I was Sakai... So, Overeem, um, I wish he would have done a little more running. Um, and I guess that has a negative connotation. But um, I, I really like his shell. I really like when he shells up. Um, I don't know if that shell is going to work against top-level competition or against veterans because... So, so, Overeem shells up and Sakai throws 10, 15, 20 punches. They don't really land. They don't really affect Overeem. Now, Sakai did split the guard. Uh, when Overeem had his hands up, shelling, he did split it one time and hit him with a nice um, elbow over the top. I forget what round that was. I want to say the third round, maybe, um, and, and that was pretty nice. But you're just wasting energy um, for the most part. I, I think what I would have liked to have seen Augusto Sakai do, and of course I'm going to break it down here like I'm, you know, fucking Faraz Sahabi or something. Like I, you know, like I know better. You know what I mean? But, you know, in my humble opinion, I probably would have thrown more strikes to the body. I think that's probably what you'd see veterans do, um, you know, because how many of these shots to the head when he's when he's turtling up like that are you really landing? I mean, you're probably bruising the shit out of his forearms, but, I mean, when has this fight ever been stopped because of a bruised forearm? So, you know, maybe going, instead of going high and head hunting, um, which you see a lot of young fighters do, probably would have ripped a couple of big ones uh, to the body. And um, I, I think that probably would have been the smarter way uh, to do it. Maybe he gets the finish. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he still ends up losing. But um, it's worth a shot. Um, and 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 Overeem, man. I mean, I almost was right. I almost was was right with my prediction when I came here came on here for the preview fight. Obviously, uh, for the main card showdown, I picked Overeem by round three TKO. Um, but this fight played out pretty much just like the Jairzinho fight in the sense that I mean Overeem wasn't winning the first three rounds but he like I don't know he's just content to go to a decision if if the finish is not there he's not going to just bully his way through his fight I like Kamara Usman said on, on the post fight show I mean his IQ is just off the fucking charts you know and, and, and I don't know man as long as he can stay like physically there I know retirement's kind of in a talk with Overeem but like I don't know, man. He is only forty. Um, now he's probably like sixty-five when it comes to fight years. But I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, he's still a, a very high-level fighter. Um, Augusto Sakai, like I told you guys, that was a bubble that was waiting to pop. I was not surprised at all. Um, obviously, we did have Augusto Sakai ranked at number nine in the North Star Sports heavyweight uh, rankings. But the thing, the thing is. I don't control who wins and lose, loses fights. So like we talked about on the preview show, Sakai absolutely fucking lutely lost that fight to Andre Arlovsky. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. Like 95% of the media, according to MMA decisions, um, I'm spitballing there. I'm not, I'm not directly quoting them, but you know, you look at the, the results there. I mean, everybody thought Arlovsky won the fight. Uh, most people thought that he won the fight with Ivanov. It went to a split decision. I disagree. I think even I've won that fight. So, in my mind, Sakai was a guy who had lost two of his last three fights. But again, when we do the rankings, we respect the results. So, these rankings aren't, aren't, you know, well, I think Dom Reyes won that fight. So, we're going to make him the light heavyweight champ in our rankings. No, no, no. We, we, we could disagree with decisions and, and things like this. But, you know, when it comes to rankings, we have to respect it. So, when it came to rankings... We respect it, and yeah, he was number nine. But again, that was a bubble that was waiting to get popped. He should not be ranked. If I if I was a judge, he wouldn't be ranked because he would have lost two of his last three. He'd be he he would be below guys like Ivanov, Verdum, uh, Cyril Gaon. Maybe he'd be at number fifteen over Pavlovich just because I don't know. Pavlovich is pretty young in his UFC career, and I think he's two and one. So I don't know. But Augusto Sakai is, is was definitely a bubble waiting to pop. We saw it happen. Now that being said my opinion of sakai does grow a little bit just because he did he had a good performance he really did uh it was still a loss and that's the only thing that matters so you know make with that what you will but you know i I was impressed i mean you know with with some adjustments you know what i mean maybe mixing it up to the body uh maybe working on takedown defense so you don't get or ground and pound defense that would be you know awesome you know he's only 29, and you know 29 is basically you know fucking 12 years old when it comes to the heavyweight division. I mean that's a child. Um, so I don't know. I'm a little more optimistic on Augusto Sakai's um, outlook, but uh, again, I don't know. I was never really too high on him to begin with. So when you talk about you know where your expect- expectations were um, to where they are currently, yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's whatever. <coughs> um. So I, I guess kind of playing matchmaker here, it, it, it really gets tough if you're Overeem because um, DC's gone, the trilogy's over, so the heavyweight division can finally breathe. But because the heavyweight division hasn't breathed for, well, I guess two years, pretty much, a little more than two years um, since 226 when uh, Cormier won the belt, um, there's a backlog. There's a backlog. So like I said, the top fuck it I'll even include Overeem in there the top 5 uh, in the heavyweight division is so fucking set it's ridiculous like I feel so confident I feel more confident than any other than in any other weight class that I have the top 5 in the heavyweight division correct is the champ so I, you know I, I, obviously he's not in the ra- well he's in the rankings but he's not um, and Ganu clearly is the number one contender Blades is clearly the number two contender Rosenstrike is clearly the number three contender Lewis is clearly the number four contender and Overeem is clearly the number five contender once you get six to fifteen There's definitely an order, but you know, it gets a little more murkier Uh, But that that top five really the top four Is is just fucking ridiculous. So, you know when you talk about Overeem, you're running out of time so You're still I mean, it's anything can happen. I mean Contract negotiations can go awry. Injuries can happen. Um, but, like, you're still two or three title fights away from getting a shot at the title. Not two or three fights away, but two or three title fights. So, we have to see Stipe and Nganu. That's one. We have to see, and let, let's just assume that Stipe wins these fights just to keep everything simple. Uh, because, obviously, it gets murkier if he doesn't. Um, but, you know, the the thought process is still the same. So then we have to see Stipe and John Jones. Okay. Then we have to see Stipe and, uh, you know, say Curtis Blades beats Derrick Lewis. Okay, well, how can you deny Curtis Blades a title shots? Now we got to see Stipe and Curtis Blades. Then, maybe on the fourth title fight, we'll see Overeem. And you know what I mean? Like, fuck, dude. It could be six months between title fights. Like, injuries happen. You know, God forbid. Like, what if Stipe wins a fight? But, I don't know, fucking... Tears his ACL. Okay, well now the 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 belt is on the line or on the shelf for fucking ten months. So it gets really murky. You can you can kind of get overwhelmed when when you know thinking about stuff like that. I'm sure um, if if you're a fighter, but you know what I mean. It it is it is a real thing. So um, a couple of fights were thrown out in the post fight interview, and I gotta say I love both of them. So apparently Derek Lewis is talking. Uh, some shit on Overeem. I think Derek Lewis is going to get fucking smoked by Curtis Blades. I don't even think that fight is going to be even remotely close. Um, So Derek Lewis and Alistair Overeem, I mean, four and five. Obviously, Lewis would probably go down because he would be coming off of a loss, I'm presuming. Um, But that would be interesting. That's probably the highest level opponent you could get. Or um, Rosenstrike and Alistair Overeem. Let's run it back again. I I like it. When Alistair tells me, uh, you know, well, listen, I've, I watched the fight live. I can tell you, obviously, he won the 24 minutes and 50 seconds uh, of the fight. And then, you know, the last 10 seconds, he got knocked out. That's compelling. Let's run that back again. Like, you know what I mean? Rosenstrike got the win. But what if you don't have the 10-second the thing? Uh, you know, explosion. <coughs> and I think it was a good stoppage. But I can't say Overeem is wrong when he says yeah, that was kind of, they waved off the fight with zero seconds on the clock. How can you do that? When he says that, I'm a little sympathetic. I think it was a good stoppage because if Rosenstrike throws a follow-up punch, uh, his, you know, half of fucking Overeem's face could be ripped off. Um, But, you know what I mean? I don't know. It it was controversial. It was controversial. Um, Not necessarily in my mind, but I think the consensus would be uh, you're you're probably going to get polar opinions, um, w- w- when it comes to something like that, and then Sakai, I don't, I don't really give a fuck who he fights, it's irrelevant when you're that low in the rankings, it really could be anybody, certainly probably not somebody higher than him in the rankings, so, fuck, I don't know, Shamil Abdurakimov, like, I, I don't know who he fights next, but, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll keep an eye on him, oh, coffee's fucking good, I'm gonna get a second career, as, uh, an ASMR person. I'm told there might be a market for this. Uh, moving on here to the co-main event of the evening. It was a, uh, second round KO, walk-off KO, by Ovince St. Pru on Alonzo Menafield Um, that, that fight, literally exactly how I saw that fight playing out. um, if Menafield was going to win, he was going to win by first round uh, KO, because that's how he's won every single other one of his fights. Um, So I want to say, first of all, Menafield never should have gotten this fight. I just want to put that out there. Menafield was coming off of a loss to Devin Clark. Now, again, I've been trying more and more not to be a dick, but Devin Clark is not exactly high level at this point in his career. Maybe he is at some point in the future. But right now, Devin Clark is not really a high level UFC competitor. Okay. You know, he, he's probably a five hundred UFC fighter at this point in his career. Um, you you lost to Devin Clark, so you don't get now OSP's not ranked in North Star's rankings, nor is he ranked in UFC rankings, I wanna say. But this was a guy who four years ago fought for a fucking title. Um well, four and a half years ago. Um, you know, but you know what I mean? But this this is a very dangerous guy, UFC veteran. Um He's OSP' is coming off of a loss but I mean there's a fucking really big difference between the the not not the I don't want to say the talent level but the just the level like like Corey Anderson says there's levels to this. there's a really big difference in 2020 because I'm still optimistic about the outlook of Menafield if he can work on a few things but like in 2020 there's a big difference in the levels of an OSP and a Menafield. So this never should have this never should have gone through. Um, like I said, I think um, so. I I had OSP for the main card showdown. Just in 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 full disclosure, I had him winning by second round submission because I thought, uh, you know, we saw Menafield kind of get grapple fucked by Devin Clark. That's probably you know, I'd say OSP is probably a better wrestler than Devin Clark. Uh, he's dangerous as shit. I mean, how many Vaughn Prude chokes? Does he have like four? Um, and his last win was coming off of a Von Prue choke, or maybe it was like an arm triangle choke on uh Mikhail Olechechuk. But okay, second round, second round KO. I, I said it was probably 50 50. I had to make a choice for the main card showdown, but uh, 50 50. And I, I did not see this fight going to a decision. Mennefield, uh he, he lost a decision to Clark. He's never won a decision. OSP doesn't fucking win decisions. You know what I mean? I think he might have one. I think we looked it up. I think he might have one decision win um, in his time in the UFC. OSP has plenty of decision losses. Um, but, you know, they're just that. They're losses. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I saw a finish coming in this fight. And I, OSP... Uh, like I said on the preview show, he weathered the storm and, and got the finish. That's that's kind of how I, I saw his path to victory. Um, and what a what a nice KO. What a nice KO. Face down, rear end up. That's the way we like to knock out people in the UFC if we're OSP. Um, <laughs> that's the nice way to put it. Um, but that was a picture-perfect left hook. And again, like... I don't know. I'm I'm off two minds of it because what the UFC does clearly works. I mean, they've killed they've killed all their competition. There's no pride. There's no strike force. Um, well, I mean, literally there's no pride and literally no strike force, but there's no equivalent to what those meant to the UFC in 2020 Bellator is fucking completely irrelevant for what the UFC does. Um and they, they built that by the best fighting the best. So this isn't boxing. We don't pad people's um, records. We so Menafield, very talented. We don't let Menafield become 17-0 and feed him a bunch of fucking cans. And you know, like exactly what Bellator does, exactly what Bellator does. Could like could you believe that Juan Archuleta is twenty-four and two? Could you believe an actual professional fighter who, who is fighting at the highest levels is twenty-four and two? Uh, no you wouldn't believe that because he's faced awful competition and when he's faced decent fighters he's lost could you believe that I found a guy who's like 17 and one who uh you know beats up three and one like Richard Kylie and you know beats up late replacement cans uh yeah I could believe that because you you just you just found some guy and basically had him fight amateurs uh UFC doesn't doesn't do that but so I, I, I agree with that business model, but at the same time, we, we gotta be a little a little bit smart about it. And I don't think this was being smart about it. And obviously, you know, Captain Hindsight here, because if Metafield you know goes out there and starches OSP, um, well then obviously it was brilliant matchmaking. But you know that's not the reality of the situation. Um, so. I, you know, I don't know, man. Like, like I always say, it's really fucking hard to develop in the UFC. Like, there's a reason why Sage Northcutt is no longer in the UFC. There's a reason why Paige Van Zandt is no longer in the UFC. There's a reason why just being, uh, talented, uh, you know, th- 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 there's a reason why just being talented doesn't mean anything. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Mickey Gall, super talented. Yeah, he's like six and four. Like, overall. So... It, it's a little tough. I don't I don't think you should feed, feed people cans in the UFC, but I think it, it should at least be on the same level and this just was a, a total discrepancy when it comes to the levels. All right, moving on here to the featured bout, I guess on the main card because it was all the main card. Um, but Michelle Pajeda wins uh, via submission. Uh, rear naked choke on Zalim, Zalim Imadaev. Uh, A-plus performance. I loved this performance. This is Pajeda's ideal. So, I said on the preview show, Michelle Pajeda is talented enough to be a UFC champion. But again, like I just said, talent doesn't really mean anything. Like, talent in my mind is a multiplier, so there has to be things that factor in with the talent. they like... If you have zero work ethic, talent doesn't mean anything. But if you have some work ethic, ethic, uh, you know, then talent has something to to work with. Um, This guy's super, super fucking talented. Not just because he's an athlete and he can do, you know, fucking a gymnastics routine in the octagon. Um, But, and again, I'm not trying to make it seem like Zalim Imadaev was a fucking killer necessarily. He was 0-2 in the UFC. But, like, we all know that Pajeda beat Diego Sanchez... um, so, like, there's there's a middle ground. I think Michelle Pajeda might not be as good of a fighter if he just goes out there and tries to be a standard boxer. I think he needs some of the wild shit to bring out the best fighter in him, but let's not gas ourselves out and do a gymnastics routine and then lose a unanimous decision to some, you know, guy off the street named Tristan Connolly. So... I think we found the middle ground. It's doing three to four wacky things around. And some of the wacky things don't even have to take that much energy. Just like, you know, Stockton slapping a motherfucker. Doesn't take a whole lot of energy. Um, you know, he, he threw a couple of uh, cartwheel kicks. Or, not cartwheel kicks. Um, rolling thunders. Uh, that's fine. Uh, if you want if you know what I mean? Like, okay. If to get the best out of Michelle Pajeda, he has to throw two rolling thunders, do a couple of, like, whatever the the fuck he does where he, like, crosses his feet and does a, a, a jumping cage kick, if he does two of those and slaps a motherfucker four times, okay, if that's what it takes for, like, you to be in your prime, to be in the moment, you know, fair enough, man, because... One, the only knock you could have on pajeda at this point in his career, and maybe he'll get exposed as he goes up higher, and, and probably likely will in some aspects. Um, it's just his gas tank. It's just him clowning around. Um, but it's, it's it's exciting, and he doesn't. He's never taken damage in the UFC. Like even in his losses. I mean, he's been here for four fights. He's like his defense is fucking amazing. It actually is really something. Uh, to see, it's it's it really is a sight to behold. At least, again, at this point, like you know, if he goes up against a Wonder Boy Thompson, okay, we'll probably see you know the defense falter a little bit, but you know he he doesn't get hit, he does not get hit, and for for whatever you can say, I mean, I don't know, I can't fault somebody for you know saying that you know I'm trying to put on a show. It's kind of like Justin Gaethje when he came into the UFC, just saying. Yeah, I got five wars left. Uh, I want to be the most exciting fighter. I can't say you're wrong to do that. That's your own. I mean, it's your own body. It's your own. Um, you know, it, it's your own why. Uh, obviously, you got to win fights to stay here in the UFC. But like, I guarantee you, uh, when when you look at the the trendings on Twitter and you look at uh, you know like going viral and and who has the most views on clips. I promise you Michelle Pajeda had more views and more clicks and more tweets than fucking Alistair Overeem did and he you know he was the main event. that's the that's the fucking ream, man. Um, but I promise you people are, are gonna leave this talking about Michelle Pajeda. like do, do you think it's more likely that Michelle Pajeda's stocked in slap and and you know jumping cage kick? And the little thing where he was dancing back and forth, and then threw a, a crazy overhand right. Do you think that's more likely to get on Sports Center, or is it more likely that Alistair Overeem's uh, elbow to a grounded opponent is going to make it on Sports Center? So, I mean, I don't know. It is, it is brilliant. And I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's kind of weird too, because it's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that he showboats. I don't like that he does this. Uh, you know if, when you hear fighters come out and, and say things like this it's like yeah because you can't do it you know what I mean like oh doing doing a cartwheel doing a, a cartwheel flip that's that's fucking lame okay but can you can you do one or do you like you, you can't do it so uh i I don't know again it, it it's it's all about finding the mix because he does have pretty good boxing he does have great defense I guess we've never really seen his ground game. But you know, I think this was the perfect blend. I really wouldn't want it any other way. I think that's how he—that's how he has to fight. Uh, moving on here, uh, in the middle of our card, uh, we had a submission via armbar by Andre Muniz on Bartos Fabinski. Um, don't have a whole lot to say on this one. This was the only prediction I got incorrect. I, I picked Fabinski to win by decision. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say on either of these two fighters. Uh, I, I liked Favinsky's fight versus uh, Darren Stewart in uh, Cage Warriors back in March uh, Very bloody fight um, Muniz, I mean, you know, he's got a, He's got a flashy record, we'll see what he can do uh, I think he came off the Brazilian um, Edition of the Contender Series um, Apparently that was a really bad Submission, um, if, if you're looking at it From Favinsky's, um Point of view, because I think I've heard this said multiple times, obviously I've never fucking rolled in my life but apparently the number one thing you don't want to do that that they teach you on day one is to have your arms or have your hands flat on the ground when you're in mount and then the the arm bar came through. So, um, yeah, apparently that's a really bad submission from a BJJ standpoint. Other than that, don't have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, moving on here, we had Brian Kelleher winning uh, via submission by Guillotine Choke in round one over Ray Rodriguez. Um, fuck, nothing to say on this fight as well. I mean, it was just a quick uh, quick submission against a guy who, fuck, I don't even know. I don't know where they found this guy. Um, not in a judgmental way, just legitimately wondering where they found this guy. Because I know he was, this guy was like two days notice. Um, so, I mean whatever, you know, you look at you look at uh, Johnny Rodriguez. Um, I mean, he's fought some guys that you would know if you watch the contender series, Chris Gutierrez, Jimmy Flick, Tony Gravelly. Um, but yeah, prob- probably a guy who's not going to get another call in the UFC. But I mean honestly, you never know with these uh, quarantine times. Um, moving on here, uh, the second fight on the card, it was a unanimous decision victory for Viviani Arujao. Uh, over Montana De La Rosa. Um, just like how I saw it playing out, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, Um I think she's one of the only 125ers who possesses legitimate power. Um, absolutely was winning this fight in, in every aspect of the fight for the pretty much the entire duration. I don't know if there was any 10-8s, or I forgot what they scored it, but it certainly was at least a 30-27. I think it might have been 130 26 um, but that's just what uh, Viviani needed. I mean, obviously, uh, Jennifer Maia is getting the next title shot, and that should make a lot of people happy because if if Jennifer Maya gets a title shot, if that's how we're giving out title shots, like, wow. If I'm anywhere in the top 10, I'm just like, I just need one win in mildly impressive fashion, and <laughs> I'm getting the next tot- shot at the title. <coughs> Excuse me. The voice just completely gave out there. Uh, I'm going to get the next shot at the title, so... Uh, I obviously I still think she's one at least one win away but depends on who they have her fight I mean you know Chukagian I don't think she has a fight on the books she said she wants to stay pretty active I think that's probably the best matchup you could make in the top 10 um maybe maybe Calvio Murphy I mean I don't know there, there's there's potential uh here for uh, her to work her way up into the uh into the top five uh we moved her up one spot. So we moved here from eight to seven. Um, I really wanted to put her over Joanne Calderwood there at number six, but um, you got to remember, we don't have Montana De La Rosa ranked in the women's flyweight division. That's probably the biggest discrepancy we have with any fighters in our rankings. Uh, The UFC has her ranked at number 11. We don't have her ranked at all because uh, she's not a very good fighter, nor has she uh, beaten. Uh, anybody that would even put her in our top 15 let alone on the doorstep of the top 10 so um it was a it was an impressive win it was a nice win but it, it doesn't exactly move you up it just you know you stay active you get another win that's always going to help you um regardless but yeah I mean uh de la Rosa lost two of her last three her three wins in the UFC are over rachel Ostovich, who should not be in the UFC Nadia Kasim who's not ranked and Mara Romero Barela, who's not ranked as well. So how can you tell me someone who is three and two in the UFC with no wins over any ranked opponents is number 11 that makes no fucking sense uh, which is why North Star Sports has you know by far the the most superior rankings um, you know anywhere you're gonna find it anywhere you're gonna find it because how, how is this person nearly a top 10 fighter? Um, I will say the women's rankings are pretty hard to do. Um, but I see so many mistakes with with how the UFC does their rankings for for women that it's it's ridiculous. Um, the only thing the UFC has us beaten on is uh, men's flyweight because we do not rank men's flyweight because it doesn't deserve to be ranked. Uh, they don't have fifteen fighters that deserve to be ranked. So uh, maybe one day, maybe one day we'll do men's flyweight. Um, if they can field a legitimate top 15 where you don't have debuting fighters getting a win and being, like, number 8 in the rankings. Okay, that's... It, it's just too much work to do men's flyweight because you're going to be changing the rankings every single fucking week. So, not not interested. Not interested in the slightest. Um, and then we had uh, the uh, main card opener, it was a unanimous decision victory for Hunter Azure over Cole Smith. Um, I watched the last 30 seconds of that fight, so I don't know what the fuck happened in this one. Apparently, it was a, a, a pretty clear, uh, clear-cut clear decision for Hunter Azure. I mean, good for him. Uh, this was a guy who uh, actually fought Brian Kelleher, I believe, in his UFC debut, a guy who came off the Contender Series, and uh, he, he got beat pretty handedly, pretty handedly in that one, so... Good to see him back on the uh, the winning ways. Um, I guess so. I guess that's something we have to say. I don't fucking know him. I couldn't care less whether or not he wins or loses. But, you know, fair play to him. All right, so kind of closing out the discussion surrounding uh, this fight card, I kind of wanted to talk about the canceled and fizzled bouts here because uh, it was impressive. Now, we are no strangers to having bouts canceled 48 hours, 24 hours, 6 hours before uh, the fight takes place, especially in the uh, coronavirus era. I mean, every single card for like the last few weeks has had at least like one or two very, very late notice cancellations. Um, so it's it's good. The UFC is really adjusted. So they're very good at finding uh, late notice replacements. It's going to be really hard when they go back to Fight Island to find late notice replacements um, over there, I think it's probably way easier to find them in, you know, and, and bring him to Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, but this is getting ridiculous. This is getting fucking crazy. I mean, a seven-fight card. I, I honestly, I want to say when we did the preview show on Friday, man, I I want to say there was eleven fights on the card. So four fights, something like four fights, fell out. Um, you know, virtually last minute and there was already plenty of canceled bouts before then. So we were supposed to have Nico Montano and Julia Avila. Uh, that was canceled like a, a more than a week ago. De La Rosa was supposed to fight Marina Moroz. Uh, I feel like that was canceled a while ago as well. Macy Chazon and, uh, Sajara Eubanks, that was canceled. Ricky Simone, that was kind of last minute, um, I I don't think it was one of the four that was canceled in the 24 hours, Uh, but I feel like that was fight week that was canceled, and that would have been a great fight. Uh, Ricky Simone, very talented, Uh, would have been much more competitive with Brian Kelleher. Uh, Thiago Moises and Jalen Turner, that was one of the four that was canceled uh, right before. Um... Fuck, that one I mean, you know, Moises coming off of the win over Michael Johnson. You know, I would have been interested. I wouldn't have put him in there versus Jalen Turner. But, you know, that was going to be a good one. Um, uh, the highly touted heavyweight Alexander Romanov was supposed to make his debut. That was one of the ones that was canceled within 24 hours uh, with uh, Marcos Higerio de Lima. Uh, Eubanks and Carol Rosa. Um, this one, the, re- the reason they say this one is uh, it was a botched weight cut and she had to get hospitalized but that was one where Hosa, she was supposed to... Uh, doesn't have it on here, but she was supposed to face somebody else. Eubanks was supposed to face, uh... Chasson. And then they just kind of matched up the two. That one fell out. And then Kevin uh, Natividad uh, got removed. That was uh, last second versus Brian Kelleher. So I think Kelleher had, had like, three different opponents in, like, four days. Um so this is getting ridiculous and i i don't know how to fix it because you know i'm not a fucking doctor and obviously the ufc has um you know like programs and shit in protocol um to to stop the spread and and stuff like that and and uh you know they take it they take it seriously but uh this is getting fucking crazy and it seems like it's getting way worse i guess it's just because the numbers of uh the coronavirus are something staggering in the u.s but like I don't know, man, when this all first started, like, okay, yeah, Jacare was the first to test positive, but, like, I don't know, man, we only had, like, a couple, now it seems like half of the fucking fight card, you know, gets gets tested positive, uh, you know, with with the Rona, so I, I don't know how to fix it, but this is a real, real fucking problem. You know, it almost makes you wonder if they should do what, um, what airlines do, where airlines uh, fuck, what, I forget the term for it, well, overbooking, but, like, okay, 250 seats on an airplane, we know for a fact that we're not gonna get 250, we're not gonna get all 250, 100, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm turning into fucking Brendan Chab here, I can't speak, um, spilled coffee everywhere as well, um, but like we, we know we're not going to get those 250 people actually showing up on the, the airplane. So if we want to have a full airplane, then we need to actually sell 270 tickets because we know statistically with, with very, uh, a very high degree of certainty that, well, five people are going to get sick and, and 10 people are going to have family issues and they can't get on the plane and 10 people are going to be late. You know, air, airliners have have you know numbers on this, so I almost wonder if you're the UFC at this point. Listen, y- 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 I'm sure you have confidence in the protocols you have set in place, but you're doing a lot of fight cards with seven, eight, nine. It makes me wonder if you shouldn't just have. I'm not saying 20 fucking you know 20 bouts, but like listen, okay. For the ESPN and pay-per-view cards, that's fine. Don't overbook because what if everybody does show up and now you're there's no way you can fit these fights in. But for ESPN Plus, where it's just on a streaming service, um, and and three of the four events are on ESPN Plus. Like there's a pay-per-view every month. There's an ESPN big ESPN card like every once or two months. So like sixty five percent of your fight cards are going to be espn plus dude who fucking cares you're on the internet you could go over you could go under doesn't fucking matter so uh you know book 16 fights and if you have 16 well that's fine because we're on the internet no problem the the event just goes a little bit longer but i can promise you you're probably not going to have 16 you're probably going to end up having like 13 and then oh there we go now we have a full fight card so you know what I mean, it's just about accepting reality at, at this point, I mean, you know you, you have the numbers, you know that, you know, a bunch of crazy shit happens, and they're, they're very good at finding last second fights, you know what I mean, I, I don't know where they fought, found Ray Rodriguez, but they'll, they'll find anybody anywhere, um, but I think they just have to adjust um so how are we doing for time here, oh we're doing pretty good so, uh, I just wanted to close with um, a ESPN article here from Brett Akamoto. Um, just talking about Fight Island, uh, that they are planning to return to Fight Island um, at the end of this month, uh, so that UFC 253 and 254 are both going to take place um, on Fight Island. I think we knew pretty much for a fact that 254 was going to be um, on Fight Island, but now interesting to know that 253, if that, that was the big mystery, that one's going to be on Fight Island um, and that's obviously headlined by uh, Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. Um, other than that, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It is interesting. I I, I do love when they what they've done with uh, their partnership with Abu Dhabi. I think the first run at Fight Island was really fun, so I'm excited uh, that that um, that this um, is happening. They're going to be there for five consecutive um, events, so. You know, it's interesting. I, I I like the vibe. I think it's probably better uh, that they go out there. Uh, it seems like they have less fights that uh, get canceled because, you know, they're, they're pretty fucking serious about quarantining, quarantining people and, and stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, just kind of mentioning this, I mean, like I've said, you know, for for you for, for those of you who are new or who have forgot, I mean, Paulo Costa is going to beat Israel Adesanya at UFC, UFC 253. To me, this this is a fact. You know what I mean? The the eraser, the eraser. He's gonna erase Skinny Pink. He's gonna chase him down, and uh, he's gonna knock him out. Paulo Costa is gonna knock out Israel Adesanya. That's my prediction. And also my very hot prediction from uh, about a month ago: uh, Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje is gonna beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. His takedown defense is on point. Uh, He's a defensive wrestler. He can take a fucking beating, uh, if he performs like he performs performed against Tony Ferguson, he's gonna beat Khabib. So, you know, two of the most dominant champs in the UFC, they're both gonna lose on the, on the next two pay per views. So, you know, write that down. But 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 don't say I didn't tell you. You know what I mean? When it happens, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I predicted. So, you know what I mean? You you can be in denial right now. You can be in denial, but listen, th- this is gonna happen. You just gotta accept it. Paolo Costa is going to win. Justin Gates, he's going to win. So, with that, we'll wrap it up here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. Uh, You can follow The Mailman on Twitter at OwenTheMailman. Uh, Northstar Sports on Twitter at NorthstarMIN. you got to check out our website, Northstarsports.media. Um, as always, we have new rankings out there. Uh, the night of of the fights, we don't listen. We don't wait until Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday to put out new rankings like the UFC or some of these people. No, no, we do it like thirty minutes after, cause we're we're not biased. You know what I mean? We don't have to let things settle in. We know where they stand immediately. You know what I mean? Like we put Bryce Mitchell the day uh, of the fight a couple of weeks ago as our number fifteen featherweight. Three days later, the UFC did the same thing. Are they copying me? I don't know. You tell me. But you know what I mean. Like we're trailblazers. We're we're like Kevin Holland. We're trailblazers. So we don't we don't wait for other people to do rankings. We just we're first. We just put them out there. You know what I mean. Sometimes we get it a little wrong. We got to go back. We got to correct it. You know what I mean. It, it's not it's not perfect rankings at least uh, yet. But you know what I mean. They're they're pretty darn good, and they're you know they're they're out there. I mean you you just let us watch. J- just watch the preview, or the uh, Jesus Christ, the, the, the recap show. By the time the UFC recap show is done, which is about 40 minutes, North Star Sports rankings are going to be out there. You know what I mean? So it, it's, it's, it's a nice thing here. Um, happy Labor Day to everybody. Uh, we'll have a show tomorrow. We'll probably have a show every single day of the week, to be honest. Hopefully we can get Reagan Hooverman on the show for uh, a special NFL preview show Um, As always, thanks for tuning in, everybody.